what have we been talking about, this subject up here? How to win in life. Amen. And uh, we've covered four steps to winning in life. And last week, we, uh, we got into this, and we'll complete this part today. And step number four is to win, you have to be determined to win. Make a determination to win. Now, because of time, I'm not going to go back and reiterate everything that we talked about. That's why we've got the tapes and notes and things like that. You can go back. Uh, but I want to pick up here in Isaiah chapter 51 again. Isaiah chapter 51, verses 1 through 3 is a really particular amazing scripture that will pertain to us here today. In verse 1 it says this. It's Isaiah 51, verses 1 through 3 says, Isaiah says, Hearken unto me, you that follow after righteousness, and that seek the Lord unto the rock from whence you are hewn, and the hole and the pit from whence you are digged. Verse 2 says, Look unto Abraham your father. He's talking to us here. He says, Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bore you. And I called him alone, and I blessed him. And notice this, I increased him. Praise God. Now, you don't have to turn here, but I'll just refer to this. But in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, it says, If you be Christ, or in other words, if you belong to Christ, then your Abraham's seed heirs according to the promise. How many of you belong to Jesus? Okay, he says, If you belong to Christ, in Galatians 3.29, then are you Abraham's seed, and you're an heir according to the promise. Now, I don't have a Jewish background from the natural, but if I belong to Christ, and if you belong to Christ, it doesn't matter what your nationality is, you're Abraham's seed. You're Abraham's seed. Well, this scripture says here in in, uh, uh, Isaiah, it says, Look unto Abraham your father, and to Sarah that bare you. For I called him alone, blessed him, and increased him. And then verse 3 says, the Lord shall comfort Zion. Now that's the church. And he will comfort her, all her waste places, and will make her wilderness like Eden and the desert like a garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Praise God. So uh, this fourth point that we're going to complete here today, we began to talk about this last week, is we have to be determined to win. And this is one thing, one thing I know, that if you're going to win in any area of life and not be defeated, how many of you know the easiest thing in the world to do is to lay down and to quit? It's effortless. It's easy to stay in bed, throw the covers up over your head and just, you know what I'm saying? How many of you know that? But we have to be determined, we have to be determined to win. Determined, say determined. Now, some people even say that so it takes a lot of work. Say, I'm determined, praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying? See, if God can get you to move your mouth, then He can move your mountain. <laughs> if you can't move your mouth, you can't move your mountain. Amen? Because we're supposed to speak to the mountain, praise God. But notice this scripture in Isaiah says that we're, we're to look to these two individuals. We're to look unto Sarah. We're to look unto Abraham. And we're to look at them as living examples of things that they did and how they operated in faith and so forth. And uh, we saw last week that, uh, turn over to Mark chapter 1 for a minute here. 
One of the things we talked about last week, in order to win in life, to be determined to win, we looked at some practical things, how to do that. How are you going to win in this life? So what are you facing today? What type of challenge do you face? If you go to every church that's in this city today, hundreds and hundreds of churches across this city, and you ask people this question, what type of challenges are you facing today? And you'll get a bunch of different answers. But pretty much so, it comes down to your health, comes down to your finances, amen, comes down to your relationships, all these different things. And it, pretty much people's needs are the same, they're the same across the board. But God has given us a supernatural key to change that which we see. How many of you know the Bible says the things that are temporal, the things that we can see are temporal or temporary. The things that cannot be seen are eternal. It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. The things which are seen or, which are seen or, tempor- or temporary. So everything that you're facing in the natural is subject to change. If your body's in pain, it can get pain-free. If your body's in sickness, you can be delivered from sickness. If your bank account is empty, it can become full. Yes. Hallelujah. If you're oppressed, you can become full of joy. Hallelujah. Just the opposite. But what is the, the main key that unlocks those things? I would say it's this. It's the confession of God's word. Amen. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. Now, how many of you are familiar with the word confession? Okay. Now, depending on your particular religious background, that can mean different things to different people. Let me move this gentleman right here. He's pretty skinny, but you walk, you walk over him, you know. <laughs> but how many of you, when, you, when I say the word confession, you automatically think of confession of sin? Raise your hand. For the most part. Just be honest with me. Okay, depending on, especially if you grew up Roman Catholic or something like that, you know, you, you talk about confessing your sin, there's a biblical place for that. Okay? And there's actually three areas in the Bible that talk about, there's different, three different types of confession. The first one is found right here in Mark chapter 1 and verse 4. It says, And John baptized in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out of uh, him all the land of Judea and Jerusalem and were baptized of him in the river Jordan. Notice this, confessing their sins. Here's a move of God. You know this is a move of God when people are coming out and they're saying, please forgive me. I confess my sin. You know God's moving when that happens. Amen. And um, this is the first example that we see in the Bible of, of uh, somebody confessing. And, and this one, of course, doesn't exist today because John the Baptist isn't here anymore. He's in heaven. Praise God. But this was an initial outpouring of the move of God. And people came confessing their sins. And this is the first type of confession that I wanted to bring up. There's actually three types. Now, the second type here is found, if you go to 1 John chapter 1, go over there with me to 1 John chapter 1. And the Apostle John, and we're more familiar with this, so the first confession is the, the, the people that came out were baptized, confessing their sins in the Jordan River. The second type of confession is the believers, now this is for believers, confession of their sin when they missed it, okay? 
This is not how sinners get saved. This is for believers. This is written to believers. And then it says in verse 5, that's 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This then is the message we've heard of him that declare unto you that God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, notice this, we lie and do not the truth. All right? He's talking about, this is for people that are born again, that, that know Jesus. And then in verse 6 it says, But if we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Verse 7, But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, If we say that we have no sin, now keep this in reference here. This is talking about a believer that says, Yes, I'm a Christian, I'm walking in the light, but they walk in darkness. They're lying to themselves and they're lying to God. Okay? But it says in verse 7, If we walk in the light, the Word of, the word of God, and he, as He is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and His truth is not in us. Verse 9, here's what I want to look at here. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all Unrighteousness. Amen. Now, 1 John was not written to sinners. It was written to the church. How many of you know the epistles are the letters that are written to the church? Those that are born again. The epistles are not the apostles' sisters. Okay? But they're the letters that are written to the church. Those that are born again, that are blood washed, that have Jesus in their heart. Now, how many of you know Christians can miss it? How many of you know what I'm talking about? We can get in the flesh. We can miss it. Now, what we don't want to do is say, yes, I have fellowship with the Lord, praise the Lord, but habitually walk in darkness. Then we deceive ourselves and we open up the door for the enemy in our lives. We don't want to do that. Okay? How many of you know that worry is a sin? (laughs) Amen? We're not talking just about the Big Ten now, okay? That worry is a sin. When you worry and you are afraid you're actually, basically, and the Lord showed me this one time because I had to be delivered from a spirit of worry after I was born again. You know? Because I, I was raised up under that atmosphere, you know? And uh, my parents didn't know any better. But they were world champion worries, especially on my mother's side. You know? And so, uh, you, know, wor- you know, children don't worry. They don't know how to worry. They have to be taught how to worry. How many of you know that? And I tell you, the Lord showed me this one time. Oh, I was under such conviction. And you know, there's something, there's nothing wrong with a godly conviction. We're not talking about condemnation. We're talking about a, <clears throat> a conviction inside your heart. Do you know what I'm talking about? And the Holy Spirit says, change this. Now, God never ever comes with a spirit of condemnation to condemn you. But He comes with a conviction to help you to want to change. And so... <laughs> I was, I was upset about something. I was worried about something, you know. And, and uh, the Lord started to talk to me about that. He said, now, son, why are you worried about that? Do you think I'm not big enough to handle that situation? And I thought about it for a minute. Now, I didn't hear it with my ears like I hear you. We talk to each other. But inside my spirit, worry is faith in what the devil can do to hurt you or to harm you. Fear. 
How do you know when the devil's talking to you? Does the devil talk to people? Oh yeah. How do you know? Does he does he show up in a red suit? Look as red as my wife's outfit here. <laughs> That's a nice jacket. I like that jacket. You know, like the cartoon characters, you know, the Satan with the, the red suit on the horns, a pitchfork and all that stuff. I mean, he's, he doesn't appear like that. The Bible says he appears as an angel of light. He comes in the primary way that he comes to all of you, of us, to bring temptation is through the thought realm. Okay? Suggestions, thoughts. That's why the scripture says that we're to cast down imaginations. That, that, are, that, line, that come against us that don't line up with the Word of God. Well, how do you know when Satan is talking to you? Because when you feel afraid and fearful and doubt, Satan is communicating with you. I just, that just turned, that's like the light bulb just turned on. It's like, when I saw that, I was like, oh my. So, if I'm feeling afraid, if I'm feeling fear or worry, that's all the same thing. It's all fear. Then the enemy's trying to speak to me, he's trying to talk to me. He'll say, What if that doesn't happen? What if the word of God? You know, he always, the devil always comes, just like he did in the Garden of Eden. And he, and he told uh, Adam and Eve, He said, Do you really think God meant what he said when he came to Eve? He said, Hath God said? God said, The day that you eat of the tree thereof, you'll surely die. You know? Well, the devil came through the serpent's body and said, Do you really think God meant what he said? Do you think you're really going to die? And so what he did is he put thoughts and suggestions, thrown them at him. He didn't appear in all his wrath and anger. Because we have the idea that when the devil shows up, it's like, like a horror movie or something. You know what I'm saying? Fright. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I just woke some of you up. But, but, you know, in all his fury, that's not generally how the enemy comes, but he comes as a thought, a feeling, a suggestion of a doubtful thought. Like, you know, you're not going to get your healing. You're not spiritual enough. You're not going to get your prayer answered. You didn't pray long enough. Things like that. And so what happens, you don't even realize you're being influenced by Satan. Okay? But the light is being turned on. Just like you go into your closet, you pull the string, the light comes on. How many of you got one of those in your house? Okay. The God is turning the light bulb on today to show us, oh, that's the enemy talking to me. Okay, I'm not going to listen to that. Okay. So, when we walk in the light, we are actually walking in God's Word. The entrance of His Word giveth light. Amen. And if we just do things God's way, things work a whole lot better. You know that? When you follow, if we call ourselves believers, I believe we are, then we ought to follow what's in this book right here. Do this word, practice this word, live like this word's true because it is true. Praise God. And so he says if we confess our sin, this is the second type of confession mentioned in the Bible, if we confess our sin. Now this again is writing to believers and if you miss it, sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we get angry, sometimes we lose our temper, or we find our temper, <laughs> you know, or we, uh, we worry about things and so forth. And, and, uh, but what we need to do is say, Lord, forgive me. I, I confess that. That's, that's wrong. That's, Father, forgive me. Amen. I, Lord, I had unforgiveness towards so-and-so. I had a little ill will, ill feeling towards somebody. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. And be quick to repent. You know, repentance... Is always 
a prerequisite for a spirit of revival to take place in your life, in a church family, in any situation, is when a spirit of repentance, when people, we start feeling like, oh God, forgive me. Forgive me for my unbelief. For, forgive me for being so slack and lazy. Forgive me for not praying, Lord. Amen? Then God says, oh, He'll put you right back in. Now, you don't lose your relationship with God when you sin, but you can sever your fellowship. Okay? But the way, the back, way back into that is through confessing. Say, Lord, forgive me. Amen? Do you know that you can actually go a week without sinning? I know that comes as a surprise to a lot of people. You can go a month without sinning. But you know, that's not the way a lot of people say it. Today, so people, a lot of Christian artists, I've heard them say that we're just sinners. I'm just a sinner like everybody else. Listen, we were a sinner before we knew Jesus. People say, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Okay. Well, you were an old sinner. If you're saved by grace, then God says, now you're the righteousness of God in Christ. But if you feel like you're still a sinner, like sinners go to hell. How many of you know that? That's the place for sinners. They go to hell, right? God didn't destine that anybody go there. The Bible says God created hell for the devil and his angels. He didn't create it for people. But people can make a choice. People have a free will. All right? But if we walk in the light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one, one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now that's the second type of confession. But the third one that I want to talk about today, we got into the edge of this last week, is the confession of our faith. The confession of our faith. Now, the Bible talks, like we saw a scripture about the the people that came to John the Baptist and they were confessing their sins. Right, that's one type of confession. The second, we just read, if believers confess their sin, amen, that God will forgive them and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And when that happens, all that's left is righteousness. <laughs> right? Right standing with God. But this, this third type of confession, there's a lot more in the Bible about this more than anything else. It's the confession of our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Quickly go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 and 15. And uh, let's look at this again real quick. And then we're going to look at a couple other scriptures here this morning. And talk about Abraham, our, our father. Praise God. But in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, Sing then. Now this is the third type of confession that we should be modeling our lives after on a regular basis. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now, the word profession there is actually the Greek word confession. All right? We got this high priest, Jesus Christ, who's passed into the heavens. Let us hold fast our what? Confession. For we, verse 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. All right? We have this compassionate high priest. So, verse 14 says, we got this high priest, Jesus Christ, that has passed into the heavens. We're to hold fast to the confession of our faith. So, to be determined to win, and this is what we're talking about in our final point here, we have to learn how to hold fast to a good confession of faith 
in the midst of adversity when it looks like nothing's working around us. Now, how many of you know it's easy sometimes to let your tongue talk about, have you ever been so tempted to talk about problems? Like, I mean, it's just pressure on your tongue to talk about your problems, talk about this. But like I said, don't tell God how big your mountain is. Tell your mountain how big your God is. Amen. Speak to your mountain. That's what we're supposed to do. Not pray about it, not talk about it. We're to talk to it. Hallelujah. Sometimes we talk to other people about our mountains, but they can't do anything about it. But if we talk to the mountain and we say, hey, listen to me. Your mountain can be a sickness or a disease. Your mountain could be a financial issue, you know, a relationship issue. When you speak to those mountains and they represent obstacles, see, a mountain to a Jew was anything that stood between them and the promise of God. That's what a mountain is. But we're in the business of moving mountains. Jesus said we could. Now, it's not a literal mountain unless it's necessary. Amen. But mountains in our lives. How many had a few of those in your life? Praise God. They can be moved. Amen. They are movable. Okay. And then go to uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near, near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Isn't that wonderful? Now look at verse 23. Let us hold fast our profession or confession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. He is faithful. Hold fast the confession of your faith. This is the positive side of confession, confessing God's Word. How many of you here are familiar with Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10, 8, 9, and 10? Mm-hmm. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart, God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made to salvation. Okay? So, your biggest mountain, do you know you'll already face the biggest mountain you'll ever face in this life? Yeah. You might think now, well, no, but what about, what about the stuff I'm going through right now? You know, the biggest mountain you ever faced in your life was the threat of going to hell. Amen. <laughs> That's as big as it gets. Dear God, someone that goes to hell cannot turn around, they can't come back. Once their decision is made, it's made. They can't change once they go there. Amen. But see, you've already, we've already, if you're a Christian, how many of you are believers in here? If you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, and that's important. You've got to do that. You've got to make Jesus your Lord. You can't just slip through life thinking, well, I think I'm right with God, but I'm not sure. <laughs> we've got to know. We've got to know right now, bless God. <laughs> Amen. There's some people that have left this earth that had good intentions. They said, well, I need a little more time in the earth here, you know, and I'll come to, and their life was cut off and it was too late. Amen. It was too late. But the smart people look at their lives, and we've got a room full of smart people here, amen, yes. that they look at their spiritual condition. And I remember when I was 16 years old and someone shared the gospel with me, and uh, I was at a Methodist youth camp. And uh, 
I had a choice because, you know, prior to that, I had some different sources. I wouldn't say people, but television and things like that where people were talking about the gospel. And I initially rejected it. I did. I rejected it. But something happened when this guy personally shared with me. I love that's why personal one-on-one is so powerful. When when he shared the gospel with me, there was a conviction in my heart that I needed what this guy was saying. I didn't understand everything. But there's something in me that says, I need what this guy has. Okay? And so, uh, when, uh, when when I received that conviction, and I received that, I made a choice. Now, here's what I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is this. When you face the biggest mountain of your life, which was not being born again, that's the greatest obstacle you could ever face. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When you said, Jesus, come into my heart. I make you the Lord of my life. You just removed the biggest mountain you will ever face in this life. Boom. There it goes. You weren't saved, but all of a sudden you're saved. And you went from darkness to light. Everybody say, wow. Wow. Say it backwards. Wow. (laughs) Amen. You received the greatest miracle You went from darkness to light. You confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But how did that miracle start? It started with this. You believe something in your heart. You said it with your mouth. And God says, boom, you are now a Christian. And the Spirit of God moved on the inside of you. You became a born-again child of God. And that, that, that mountain of sin was cast into the sea. And you became a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now... This is how faith works in every single realm. Faith works for salvation the same way as it does for receiving healing or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You believe in your heart, you say with your mouth, and then it comes to pass. Hallelujah. That's why the scriptures, you know, and I I don't understand, I sort of of do, but there's a lot of so-called Christians that give confession of the word a bad rap because they've been taught wrongly. They call it name it and claim it, blab it, grab it, confess it, possess it. Well, I don't mind telling you, I blabbed it and I got it. I spoke it and I received it and so did you. There's been many a times I've had sickness in my body and I spoke to it in the authority of Jesus' name. It's not in my name, it's in Jesus' name. And that mountain left and I was standing there whole and made and healed. And some other things in life, amen? So why is it so important for us to hold fast our confession when it comes to winning in life? Because what you ultimately say and believe in your heart, what you say on a regular basis will control your destiny. Because uh, I don't know, if you read through the book of Proverbs, you're going to find a lot of scriptures that talk about speaking God's word. For example, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Amen? I mean, uh, there's so many scriptures. Uh, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue of the wise is like medicine. The tongue of the wise is healing. There's all kind of scriptures through the book of Proverbs, you know, that came by the Spirit of God through Solomon, who was the wisest person that lived on this earth other than Jesus. And so there's a lot to say about what we say. 
ultimately, I, may, I brought this out last week, there are some things that you'll speak, like your salvation, that instantly takes place. But then when it comes to natural things in this world that you, you speak and you confess, confessing God's Word takes a little bit of time if it's going to work in the natural realm. Because if what you said instantly came to pass, you wouldn't have to hold fast to the confession of your faith. You all know what I'm talking about? Amen. But when it comes to like natural things in the natural, your body and finances and things like that, it takes a little time for things, the ship to be turned around. Remember James talked about the tongue in chapter 3? You remember that? And James was the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. He lived in the same household as Jesus. James talked, said that the, the tongue is like a, a bit in a horse's mouth. And that little bit, compares, compared to the size of that horse, controls the entire way that, that horse goes, the body of that horse, which direction it will go. He said the big ships, ocean liners, and I mean nowadays they're bigger than they were back then. That little rudder compared to the size of that ship has the ability to turn that ship around. He said so is the tongue. The tongue is like that, like that bit in the horse's mouth. It's like the rudder on that ship. And he says whichever way we turn that rudder or that bit will determine which way that ship goes, which way that horse will go. Isn't that true? Now, I have did a little research on this, but some of these big, these big cruise liners and stuff, if you've ever taken a cruise, I never have, but it's always the first time, maybe. But these big ocean liners that are massive, massive, they don't, just, they don't just turn on a dime. That captain of that ship gets up there and turns that wheel, and it may take several, several minutes before it makes a 180 and goes the other way. But if that captain doesn't hold fast to that wheel, that ship will never turn around. Because when they initially turn that wheel, the boat's still going straight ahead. It doesn't look like nothing's happening. You hear, you hear what I'm saying? It may look like it's not going to turn around, but that, uh, that, that captain knows, no, I've got to hold fast to that wheel. Because if I hold on to that wheel and that turn, that left turn, then eventually that boat will turn completely around. It may take several minutes. And our lives are like that because we have to learn how to hold fast to the confession of God's Word if we want to win in life. Now, here's what happens a lot of times. We put our faith out. We believe God for something. And then a few minutes later, we're talking the problem, talking the problem, talking the problem. What happened? We just let go of the wheel. We let go of the wheel. And they're like, why is it taking so long? Well, we just let go of our faith. We let go of the confession of our faith. Amen. I made mention of the fact last, last week, there are some things that I've been holding my confession for uh, 10 years on some issues. Like 10 years. And I had something two weeks ago on a Sunday night, I had something happen to me that I've been confessing God's Word over for 10 years. Now my mind was telling me it's not going to come to pass, it won't happen, this won't happen. You know, and sometimes you just got to look and say, shut up devil. Because he'll get you thinking in your natural mind like you don't have this, you don't have what it takes for this to happen and so forth. But you know what? When it happened, it was like, and the Lord reminded me, he says, Keith, you've been saying that for over 10 years now. Amen? Amen. He said, well, if you would have let go of the confession of your faith, that would have never taken place. That would have never happened. 
Now, when he says, hold on to the confession of your faith without wavering, that takes patience. Patience means endurance. You consistently do what God says. You speak what God's Word says and don't let go of your confession. The Bible says regarding Jesus when He stood before Pontius Pilate that He held forth a good confession. Amen? And His life was on the line. You remember that? He was in the most adverse circumstance of His life, but He held on to a good confession. Hallelujah. Well, He became our sacrifice, didn't He? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Does it pay to say what God's Word says regardless of how you feel? I mean, for example, if you have a, a pain or a sickness in your body. Now, I've been trained under the best in this area. I believe that. And I'm so thankful for that. But I know from the Bible, from the Word of God, that part of my redemption is not just forgiveness of sins, but healing in my physical body. Before Jesus, right before He went to the cross, He went to the Roman, Roman whipping post, took 39 lashes. And Isaiah, in chapter 53, was looking, he was 500, before Jesus, 500 years before Jesus became flesh. And he's prophesying in, in the future that, you know, that He was wounded for our transgressions, Jesus. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, we were healed. Hallelujah. He was prophesying the future, prophetically, what was going to come. Now, Peter quotes that in 1 Peter 2, 24. He says, Who his own self bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes, what? Ye were healed. That's looking back. Isaiah was looking forward. He said, by whose stripes you are healed. But when Peter quoted that, he says, By whose stripes, past tense, ye were healed. Praise God. Past tense. Your forgiveness is past tense. Your healing is past tense. But you know, there's a lot of believers that will fight for the right to be sick. That don't believe, that don't believe in healing. Amen? But the smart people open their eyes up and they open their ears up and they hear what God has to say of that full redemption. Amen? Now, look at Psalm 103. I just quote it. In Psalm 103, it says, verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of His benefits. You want to fit? Have a benefit. Amen? Forget not all His benefits. What are His benefits? Who forgives all of your iniquities, your sins. Number two, He heals all of your diseases. And then it goes on to say, He redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with loving kindness. These are benefits that God has for us. Now there's another scripture in Psalms that says that God daily loads us with benefits. Whoa, daily loads us with benefits. Hallelujah. <laughs> How do you know if you believe this? You get excited. <laughs> Amen. You don't want to look like the person in the... Uh, you know, ready to go in for surgery and they're standing there with a look on their face. You know, that's not the kind of look you want to have when you hear God's Word. Amen? When you hear God's Word and you believe God's Word, it's like, whoa, something, something gets a hold of you. You believe it. It's something lights up on the inside of you. Praise God. And I, I, that's a choice that we have to make. 
I, if you get excited about God's word, that means you believe it. You believe it. I believe God's word. And the more I say that, the more I'm convinced of it. Amen. So, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. Saying God's word will assuredly bring you victory in every area of your life. And I was, what I was saying was this. When you stand in the face of adversity and, and, and your body's uh, hurting and you've got pain in your body, and you keep saying, by his stripes, I was healed 2,000 years ago. So you're putting it in the past tense. You're not trying to get healed. You legally are healed. You just have to receive it. It's like you have money in the bank. You know there's a legal way to get your money out of the bank? How many of you know that? How many right now you have money in your bank? Raise your hand. Okay. Now how many of you know you could pull up to the bank with a shotgun, go up to the teller, and I'm not suggesting you do this, and you could say, I've got money in my bank, and I'll give it to me right now. How many of you know they're going to haul you off in a paddy wagon and throw you in jail somewhere? And you can stand before the courts, you can stand before the judge and say, I was just trying to get my money. I had money in the bank. And they say, hey, you went about it the wrong way. Right? <laughs> you see, you have an inheritance already laid up for you in heaven. You have forgiveness. You have healing. That already belongs to you. You don't have to strive to get it. It's already yours. Aren't you glad? But there's a legal entryway, just like when you put that debit card in your, that machine and you punch in your numbers and then here comes the money. Okay? Well, you went through the legal process to do that. It's funny because we've got a banker sitting right here, Brother Jim. Amen? Is, am, I, am I true about that? If somebody drove up to your bank with a shotgun, what would happen? Uh, they're not going to get far. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, they've got money legally that's theirs, that's in the bank, but they have to go through that process, legal process, to withdraw that money. Okay? Now, healing already has been paid for for you and his death and his burial and his resurrection. It's already been paid for, but the legal entryway to receive that here in this earth is through the realm of faith. It's through faith. That is the key. Okay? This is the victory that overcomes all the world, our faith. That is the key. By trusting God. And what is the primary way that faith is released? Through the words of our mouth. Glory to God. You see, a lot of things today, and I was, I'm old enough now to realize that before they had some of this technology, but I remember when it first came out, and they had these motion sensors. You, know, you walk into a bathroom at, a, at an airport or something like that, and, uh, and I thought, are they too cheap to put on and off switches on this? Are they trying to save money, you know? There's no thing to turn the paper tiles. What's, what's the deal with this, you know? And then you look at somebody come in and they put their arm, and they say, oh, that's motion activated. There's a little sensor in there. Now, nowadays you walk into a grocery store or something, the, the doors just automatically open. Motion detectors. Okay? Now, the gospel is motion detective. And how you release things is when you say things. Your voice is your address in the spirit realm. When you say what God's word says, and you say what he said, then that spirit behind you, the spirit of faith behind you, goes to working on that situation to bring it to pass. Now here's the thing. Here's, here's what I want to encourage you with is this. A lot of times when you're saying what God's word says, you don't see everything that's going on behind the scenes. 
in the realm of the spirit. There's angels working out there. You've already prayed. You've already said what God's word says. But you don't see that with these natural eyes. So that's why you have to walk by faith. But when you say, when you pray and you speak God's word, those angels, they hearken to the voice of God's word. That's what the Bible says. Amen. Man, I'll tell you, when I decree and I declare that, that, that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, and that's all I'm saying. Those angels are out there causing things to happen supernaturally. But that's why we have to hold fast to the confession of our faith and not waver because he is faithful that promised. We've got to hang on, hang on to a good confession. And there, you'll, when you see the rich dividends that will pay off by saying what God's word says. You see, that's why the devil doesn't want you to speak. Amen? I remember when my dad was facing some things years ago. He's in heaven now, but physical challenges. You know, my mom was trying to get him to speak God's word. He didn't want to speak God's word. <laughs> well, what you don't speak is not going to help you. Amen? I mean, for Pete's sake, we teach our dogs to speak. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'll tell you, we need some... Lessons how to speak God's word. Say what God's word says. Declare what God's word says. Hallelujah. And, uh, and not wait. Here's the, here's the key. is not wait to see something before it changes. Before you believe it. Like I said, there's, there's this one thing I was believing God for. For at least 10 years. Maybe more. When it came to pass, then I realized the value of holding fast a good confession. And you know what it did? It encouraged me to realize that if God did that for one area, He'll do it for another area. Amen. Count your, I mean, folks, listen to me. Count your victories. When your prayers get answered, write those things down. Amen. I mean, if anything happens, you make a log of it. Write it down. Remember what God did for you because when you remember what God did for you, it's easier to take on the next issue. Amen. Does that make sense? Now real quickly here, because we're almost out of time. Go to Romans and we'll close here. Romans chapter 4. And this is talking about Abraham and Sarah. Now you know this, this situation with Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was you know, about 100 years old. and Here comes God comes along and says, now they've never had children up to this point ever. Even when they were in the prime of their life, they never had children. Never, she was barren. Okay, Here comes God on the scene and says, you're now going to have children. It's laughable from the natural, right? <laughs> but hey, when God shows up and gives us a word, I don't care what it looks like, how impossible it looks, if, he, if you have a word on it, then you know if you trust it, it's going to come to pass. Amen. Now look at Romans 4 verse 17. It says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who believed even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken? So shall thy seed be. 
Now look at verse 19. It's, this is really interesting. And being not weak in faith, that's talking about Abraham. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. In other words, in the inability to produce children at 100 years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now how many of you know to have a child you have to have a healthy woman and a healthy man? <laughs> Amen. It's not rocket science. It says in verse 20, well, first of all, in verse 19, he says, He considered, Abraham did not consider his own body or his wife's womb or his wife's body. He did not consider how old that they were. Okay? Now it says, verse 20, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Now, how many of you want to be strong in faith? Oh, yeah, every, every hand should be up in this place. How many of y'all want to be strong? You want to be weak in faith? <laughs> you want to be strong in faith. And I'll tell you, it, it's up to you. Every one of you here can become strong in faith. Now, here's the key. I want to show you this right here. He staggered, verse 20, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Now, notice the phrase, giving glory to God. Whoa, there's something about this phrase right here. Giving glory to God. All Abraham had and Sarah had was a word from God. They're going to have a child. Amen. Even at their old age. In fact, it became so apparent that God was working that Abraham was concerned that other men were going to be checking his wife out at 100 years old. Stop and think. He actually lied about it. Remember that? I said, that's my sister. You know. <laughs> Figure that. <laughs> but uh, Abraham had a word and it said he considered not. Here's the process here. He considered not his own body. Now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith. And notice this, giving glory to God. Now, here's, how, here's one of the biggest keys that you can become fully developed in your faith, strong in faith, is thanking God before you see the manifestation. That's what he did. In fact, God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which meant father of many nations. You know there was people that laughed about that. And he changed Sarai to Sarah, mother of many nations. He says, when you look up at the sky and you see the stars at night, if you can count the number of stars, that will be the number of your descendants. And if you're laying on the beach in the middle of the day and you roll over and you see the sand granules on the beach, if you can count the number of sand, he goes, that will be the number of your descendants. God gave them an object lesson by day and by night. God will always have you looking at something that's going to encourage you, that's going to feed your faith and encourage you to move forward. Man, I feel faith rising in us in our hearts today. Amen. And he says, he staggered not, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Do you ever feel like staggering before? You're like, <laughs> you hear something like, oh, I wish I could have that. Amen. But he says, if you give glory to God. I had the Holy Spirit talk to me one time many, many years ago, over 20 years ago. And this was revelation, revelation to me back then. He says, son, can you thank me for something that your physical eyes haven't seen yet? I said, I guess I can. He says, well, 
I would suggest that you start doing that. <laughs> and there are some things, man, I'm telling you what, that looked impossible in the natural. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And I started just doing what, what he told me in my spirit. It's, it's important to obey what the Spirit of God tells you. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Well, is God speaking to us today? Yeah, he's speaking to our hearts here today. He's encouraging us. Hallelujah. Uh, he said, can you give me praise and thanks for something that your physical eyes haven't seen yet? And I said, yes, sir. So I started to do that. Praise God. And I just said, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that situation. Thank you, Lord. And I started to say, and I said, oh, thank you, Father God. You heard my prayer and so forth. And, and uh, well, just a few short weeks after that, it shows up. It shows up. Amen. I remember that one time I was, I was standing in healing for that growth, golf ball size growth on my left wrist. And I prayed, pressed all the buttons, said all the right things, but nothing seemed to happen. Now the Lord said this, He says, now start to praise me and thank me that you're healed. Well, if I was to look at my wrist, where my watch usually is, a golf ball size growth on my wrist, my uh, eyes would say, you're not healed. If I asked my wrist, are you healed? The wrist would say, no, I'm not. <laughs> But see, I've learned a little bit since then. He says, well, Keith, it's time to start giving glory to me that you're healed. Start giving praise and glory to me right now. And I'll tell you what, I started taking opportunities. I'd be driving down the road somewhere, going somewhere by myself, you know. And I'd lift my voice up in my car. And I said, Father, I want to thank you right now. No one hears this except me and God. That's all that needs to hear it. I said, Father, I thank you, Lord, that I've already prayed about this. I thank you, Lord. I'm not going to re-pray it again because that meant I didn't believe it the first time. And I believe I receive when I pray. I thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. And before you know it, that thing was gone. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. So if we're going to be strong in faith, we have to be able to give glory to God when it looks like nothing, when your kids are messed up, running around, doing the wrong stuff hanging out with the wrong people, doing the wrong things, hold fast a good confession. Or your grandkids or whatever. Great, great grandkids, whatever. Hold on to a good confession of faith. When it looks like your body's getting worse after you've already prayed, hang on to a good confession. Begin to thank God. Amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus. There was a guy I heard about through Brother Hagen actually that he, I remember he shared this story many times. And he said he had, this is back in the 40s, I believe, 30s, 40s. He had tuberculosis. And, uh, and he, was, he was in his final stages of tuberculosis, you know. And, and uh, he had been prayed by all the healing evangelists. This is back in the early days of the healing revival. And, uh, I mean, Big name, Earl Roberts, all these different people, T.L. Osborne and people that would come through town. He would have hands laid upon them. And he said he was laying on his bed out there in the country. And, uh, and he's, he got to thinking about this. He said, if it was up to those guys, I would have been healed. Along. I mean, these are the best of the best, cream of the crop, these ministers that come through, you know, healing evangelists, that kind of thing. Many people have been healed. He said, if, if it was just that alone, I would have been healed by now already. And he said, while he was laying there in his bed, dying of tuberculosis, 
he was thinking this through. He lives out in the country. And his bed was right next to this big window. And he could look out and he saw this big clump of bushes out there. Uh, right, right out in the country, right beside his bedroom. And he said... He said, I'll tell you what, Lord. And the Lord began to challenge him. He said to start thanking him and praising him because he hadn't done that yet. He had all the prayers, hands were laid on him, but he wasn't giving thanks. He wasn't giving glory to God. Yeah. And so he said, Lord, just give me enough strength to crawl out of my bed and to go out there. I don't know why he felt led to go out there by those bushes, you know. And he was so weak and so drained and so on his last stages. But he was determined he says, Lord, I'm going to give me enough strength to go out there with that little clump of bushes. Says, I'm going to just praise you and thank you to either I'm healed or I go home to heaven. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to get out there. And he, he, God gave him enough strength to crawl out there. He finally got out there. And he said, here's his testimony. He got out there. He said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. He could just barely whisper, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Within about 15 or 20 minutes, he's shouting at the top of his lungs. And people, they said, could hear him from miles away. He started praising God, thanking God. He said, but at first, he said he felt like he was going to die right there on the spot. He thought the buzzers were going to come fly over his head and they're just waiting for him to die. Okay? Make a long story short, he praised his way out of that situation and was completely divinely healed. Now, here's the guy. He's on his very last stages. He's got not just days. He's got hours to live. And he thought about it. He said, man, if it would have came to all those, I would have been healed by now. All these guys praying for me. But the Lord showed him, you're missing something here. And here's what he saw in his spirit. He saw these old-fashioned scales. Did you ever see these scales? Okay. And he said, he, he saw it in a vision. He saw the one side of the scale was all prayers, 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 prayers. And it was weighed down. It was way down. But the other side of the, the scale, he saw praise and thanksgiving, and it was like nothing. And the Lord said, when your praise equals your prayers, then you'll be healed. That's what gave him the courage. The Lord just showed him that in a vision. He said, when your praise balances your prayers, he says, then you'll receive just like that. When he got that revelation, they said, okay, Lord, just give me enough strength to get out of here. And I could have done that in his bedroom. But he said, I just want to go out there in that country, lay there under that tree, whatever, you know, and uh, in the hot sun, in the shade. And he got out there and he began, oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, it was real weak at first. It was his testimony. I was real weak at first. But he said, then something happened, a gusher. I hit a gusher. What do you mean by that? That means something kicked in. The anointing kicked in. And all of a sudden he realized God had touched his physical being, his physical body. Now that, I, that story resounds inside of me because there have been times in my life where my praise did not balance my, my prayers. Did I pray? Oh yeah, I prayed about things. Said the word and so forth. But in, matter of fact, folks, I wasn't even planning on saying this today. I wasn't. This was not even part of my lesson today. I won't even charge you for it. Okay? Just teasing. But I think it's important. God's dealing with all of us, all of us in this room today. Oh. He's dealing with us. 